You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You're locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how today on this show. My guy, Demetric Felton, the running back receiver weapon from UCLA who is entering the draft. And you guys, I have to tell you, um, I've been doing this show now for a number of years. I have worked in sports media for over a decade. And this is one of my favorite interviews that I have done. Demetric, and, and not just because of what I think of Felton as a player. I'm, I'm telling you. I am I am able to separate these two as someone who has done this. I have talked to plenty of of players that I think are really good players and walked away from the interview going, no, it wasn't very good. Or it just wasn't very engaging, or I didn't get very good answers, or I felt like I did a bad job, whatever it was. I had a blast with this. And you guys are really, really, really gonna like Demetric Felton. I'm sorry if I'm overselling it. But I, I had a blast talking to him, and uh, I, I hope I didn't fanboy too hard. But I, I just, I'm glad that he's a good kid, because if he were an a-hole, I would feel a little bad about about liking him as a player so much. I don't, um, and this is this is an honest conversation about you know his testing numbers and his fit in the NFL and and you know it's it's not all rainbows and sunshine but his approach um I was just really impressed and and you know whether he goes to Green Bay or not I'm I'm going to be rooting for him uh in the NFL no question I want to start today's show um I wrote a piece for Pack Report today but but it, it is a parallel piece to one I wrote a year ago And that piece a year ago broke down a lot of the receivers in that draft. And remember, that was a historic draft. Well, okay, but this is a deep cornerback class, right? A really good deep cornerback class. But how many of them? are actually going to end up being Packers types. So I went back and I looked at the numbers for the receivers last year. And we talked about this on the podcast for those of you who who were listeners then, um, for those of you who who weren't welcome. I looked at um, the metrics that are important um, the the breakout age and dominator rankings. And I also took out all of the guys who don't fit Green Bay's athletic profile. 
Um, they like guys who are generally speaking, at least six feet tall. They like guys to run, you know, sub seven, three cones, change of direction ability is important. And generally speaking, um, they're not four, six guys, you know, they're, they're, they don't have to be blazers. You know, Jordy Nelson ran in the four fives, Devontae Adams ran in the four fives, but their change of direction was really good. Well, in a historic draft class, it only left. 10 guys, 10 guys, and three of them got picked before Green Bay even had a chance. C.D. Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager. Green Bay was not in a position to draft LaVisca Chenault. They were not in a position to draft Denzel Mims. That leaves Brian Edwards, Tyler Johnson, Gabriel Davis. Each one of those guys showed some nice promise as rookies. They're not, they're not world beaters. Now, of course, Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb were really good. We saw some nice signs of life from LaVisca Chenault. Not sure what to make of any of these other guys. So let's push this forward. The Packers have a type at corner. And they, they really, really care about relative. Well, the guys that I don't know that they care about the, the concept of the relative athlete score, RAS. I know that they end up taking guys who do really well in RAS because of the athletic preferences that they have. And so I, I went over to Math Bomb and I pulled up all the guys who were, you know, I, I was started, I set out to say, okay, nine or better on the relative athlete score out of 10. Um, and then there were three guys that I just sort of bucketed in with them. It's 18 guys. All right, so already we've way shrunk the window of players. Now, J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertain are on this list. Almost certainly will not be there at 29. And then there's another six, eight, somewhere in there, guys who are not draftable or are unlikely to be drafted. They're really good athletically, but in terms of the football, it's just they're not it, right? Now we can add Caleb Farley to this mix because he didn't test. So now we're talking about, you know, eight guys, 10 guys. Calvin Joseph is one of the guys that qualifies, but he had a really bad three cone and has some, some personality red flags. I think the combination of those things probably uh, bump him off. And Nate Hobbs, is who makes this list, is a seventh-round UDFA kind of guy. That leaves eight. Eight players. It is interesting that, that before Farley um, and before Joseph and Hobbs, I had 10, just like the receivers last year. So that's some nice symmetry. I, I really think it's eight. It's eight guys plus Farley, which is nine. And so if you, we keep Hobbs on the list, it really is 10. And I thought, okay, given what we did yesterday, let's try and bucket these guys, right? So, okay, uh, Greg Newsom the second, first round pick, first round kind of guy. You know how I feel about Ifatumeli Fanwu. He qualifies. He's got that three cone right on the, on the nose, it's a it's a 7.01, I believe. Now these are unofficial, um, but I think he's more than athletic enough um, to to be in the mix there. Maybe I'm being uncharitable with day two. Remember, I think he's a first round quality talent. 
Eric Stokes from Georgia, Paulson Adebo from Stanford, Marco Wilson from Florida, Robert Rochelle, um, I believe from, from Central Arkansas. He's someone I'm going to have to go back and watch given the testing. I mentioned Joseph, not really a, a thing. And then on day three, Ambry Thomas, who's a name that we've talked about, a name the Packers met with, which I think is one to keep an eye on. I think Green Bay might even might even consider reaching for him in the third round. Um, Brandon Eccles from Kentucky, the teammate of Kelvin Joseph as a day three guy. And then Nate Hobbs from Illinois. Um, as I mentioned, he's he's really a more seventh round UDFA. I mean, he borderline draftable player. Again, it it does speak to the day two of the the you know the value is on day two. So I think I think Newsom and Farley, those are your goals. Those are your guys. Those are your high end blue chip type talents that Green Bay is most likely to pick. Again, if they take Malafonwu, don't be surprised. I think he is worthy of that selection, especially for a team like the Packers. On day two, there are a bunch of guys there, but a bunch is relative, right? So there are six guys there and Joseph probably doesn't qualify. So it's really five. Well, how many are going to make it just to 62? How many? You know, they're not all consensus top 50 players. You know, Adebo is, you know, he's more like in the, the 70s range. So maybe he's there at 62, Malifonmu, but Stokes seems like a top 50 kind of guy. Marco Wilson, you know, it, it's tough to peg. He's got NFL bloodlines. And Rochelle is someone who is also tough to peg his value. Because he went to the small school, I think there's going to be all sorts of differing opinions on where he belongs. You know, he's not even in the pro football focus draft guide, but ESPN happens to really like him. And and I was actually, frankly, a little surprised by that because it wasn't a name I was used to really seeing. They have they have Rochelle at 82. You know, maybe he's someone that makes it to 92 for Green Bay, six foot 193 and, and really is a terrific athlete. But probably not someone who's going to come in right away and help your football team. So that's something to, to take into consideration, too. All of this is not to bum you out. It is just to say that if you are putting together your mocks or you are trying to think of who are the guys Green Bay could be looking for, it's probably a guy who's going to come from this group. Trill Williams is, is looking like a borderline day two, day three kind of guy. If Green Bay could get him in the fourth, I think those are the guys. Third, fourth, fifth round, it's Ambry Thomas and, and Trill Williams. Those are the guys that if you can get them, get them. But this goes back to our point that if you are looking where the value parts of this are, it is day two. At the same time, you have to understand there aren't really that many guys. And so when you go back to last year and you see the Packers pass up an opportunity to take a receiver, well, guess who didn't make it through this set of parameters that we we used last year. Michael Pittman Jr. And I do think LaVisca Chenault was very much on Green Bay's radar, but they felt like he was a tier down and he had the injury questions. I, I think he continues to have injury questions insofar as he is someone who I think is going to take a beating and prove that it, it, even in college that his play style probably lends itself to that. So then, you know, it's Denzel Mims, it's Brian Edwards, Tyler Johnson, Gabriel Davis. Suddenly, the options are not great. And you can understand why they said, okay, 
pass and we'll wait. Now, I don't think they're going to do that in this draft. I think those day two guys um, are better than this group of day two guys. And there's really only, you know, I think three day two guys on this list. But this is a reminder of, of just because, you know, the, the draft network or ESPN or CBS or the ringer or the athletic has a guy in the first, second, third, fourth rounds. It doesn't mean that Green Bay not only doesn't feel the same way, they may, they may or may not feel the same way, but they have different specifications and they have different preferences. And all of those guys are not going to be as high on Green Bay's board, not just because of the differentiation of one person's evaluation to another, but because Green Bay prefers a certain type of player. And the athletic part of this is a big, big portion. It always has been. And Brian Gutekunst has only, if anything, doubled down on that since he became the GM. All right, we're going to get to our conversation with Dimitri Felton in just a second. But before we do, let's talk about our friends at Built Bar. I recently took a road trip and they were a lifesaver, a game changer. I didn't have to stop at gas stations and get a candy bar, that little sugar rush. Sometimes you just need something. A lot of my favorite uh, road trip snacks are salty. You get the, you know, the the chips or the pretzels or the combo, you know, the, the party mix kind of stuff. You need sometimes you need a little sweet, you need a little jolt. Well, how about doing it low calorie, low sugar, high fiber, high protein with bars that taste awesome. That taste awesome. Built Bar is the place. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off the best tasting protein bar ever created. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. I host it, and it updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. All right, let's get to my conversation with Demetri Felton, someone who um, has talked to the Packers, has not had a formal meeting with them, but but did speak to scouts at the Senior Bowl, and you're going to hear him explain that and explain my favorite answer. Check this out and, and listen for it is when we talk about his fit in the Packers offense. Um, you can't see him. I'm going to post some video to it. His face lights up. When I ask him about this, and he gives an awesome answer. So here is my conversation with Dimitrik. Dimitrik, thanks for coming on. And you have been a player that I have been particularly interested in um, for for a couple months now. I, I have been a, a huge fan of your game, and and I think a lot of it was solidified for me at the Senior Bowl when we saw you run routes. But it, it, when you go back and watch the tape, and you look at the numbers. This is something that you you were doing certainly at UCLA um, with with the kind of versatility. When did you realize, hey, this is this is real? I have a shot to do this, and, and I can be an NFL player. Um, I would say I, I realized that my my junior year, my junior year at UCLA, when it was my first time moving into the backfield, and you know I was having a lot of success. Um, you know, being able to re- receive the ball out of the backfield. 
And, you know, I feel like just having that good versatility of being able to go into the backfield, being able to split out wide, be able to perform routes is something very valuable. And so, yeah, definitely after that year, I was like, you know, this is a real dream of mine, but I've always believed in myself, you know, from the beginning when I started playing at seven years old, you know, I said, I wanted to play college football, go to the NFL. And so it's something that, you know, I believed in and tried to work at my whole life. You know, th- this is about to become a profession for you, a job, um, but it is still a game. Do you, do you, how do you keep the joy in it? Um, I feel like it's pretty easy for me to keep the joy in it because I love to compete. You know, I love to get myself better every day, work on things, try to learn something new and add it to my game and, you know, watch films, see what I can work on. I love doing all those things. And so it's it's not really a job for me. It's a joy. It's something that I get to enjoy doing every day. And so, you know, when people say it's a job, I feel like it's just the best job in the world because it's something I've been doing my whole life. I think a lot of people would agree with you. It is the best job in the whole world. It's just that a lot of people can't do it. Uh, you happen to be one of the the precious few who can. Uh, you talked about the the role change at UCLA. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that conversation like? And and were you a little bit scared at first to say, okay, this is something different that I'm going to have to figure out um, and adapt to on the fly? In, mm-hmm. You know, D one in a in a major conference like this is this is a, a big change. Yeah, you know, um, you know, when the news was brought to me and when the coaches asked me if I wanted to switch at first, I was feeling a little disappointed because, you know, I I was working at receiver and I was working so hard to, you know, be that number one receiver, be that guy that they can go to at any time of the game so that I can make a big play. And so that, that spring of that year, you know, I had one of my best springs and I felt like I was going to have a huge year at UCLA as a receiver. And so to get moved, I was like, man, like, did I do all that work for nothing? You know, I don't want to just be behind the guy, but I also knew that I had that running back background in me. And I knew UCLA knew that as well. You know, my first touchdown at UCLA was as a running back. They moved me there a couple of times before. They teased it a little bit, but they didn't fully move me back there. And so I knew it was something that Coach Foster wanted to do for a while. And I trusted him and I knew he was going to be able to take care of me. And so when I moved there, you know, at the end of the day, I wanted to do whatever I could to help out my teammates. And, you know, it wasn't much fear. You know, I was just excited to, you know, be able to work hard and try something new. Like I said before, you know, uh, be able to go in there and be a full time running back was huge for me. So I, I looked at someone like last year in the, in the draft, Antonio Gibson's uh, player in Memphis, He did a little bit of everything at Memphis and I felt like he gets to the NFL. If he gets with the right offense, you know, you could use him in so many different kinds of ways and Mm -hmm. and he gets to Washington and they use him for my eyes, pretty traditionally as a running back. And I was Mm -hmm. kind of disappointed in that because I think he can do so much. I see you in very much a similar way. Mm-hmm. You're going to tell me when I ask you this question, I'll do whatever is asked of me because that's what you're supposed to say. <laughs> but if a team takes you and does that and plays you in that sort of traditional way, is that using you to the best of your abilities? Um, you know, I feel like, 
I feel like there's some truth to what you're saying because, you know, you can use me in multiple positions. And I feel like that would suit me great because, you know, I can move around. I can do so many things that you want to be able to maximize those opportunities for me. And, you know, it's hard for defenses to really, you know, what's going on if you use someone like that. And so I agree with you. Um, you know, if someone uses me in a traditional way, I still feel like they're going to be able to get a very versatile player. You know, if you put me at running back, that doesn't mean you can't split me out wide. That doesn't mean I can't run, uh, you know, routes from the backfield. Uh, it doesn't mean I can't do kick return. And all that stuff. So if they put me at one position, I still feel like they're going to end up using me in multiple ways because I'm going to get there and they're going to be able to see that I can do that at a very high level. What are you hearing from teams about where they think you're a best fit? I'm getting a pretty good mix. You know, like uh, some teams think I'm a running back. Other teams think I'm a receiver. And so, you know, it, it doesn't, uh, you know, that doesn't bother me at all because, you know, I worked hard to show that I can be really good at both positions. And, uh, you know, it's just exciting to have teams talking to me. And so I'm uh, definitely not really worried about it. I know, uh, you know, everything's going to happen for a reason and that I'm going to be put in the best situation for me. So what do you tell the teams when they ask you what your best position is? Um, I tell them that uh, my best position is with the ball in my hands. And so however you can make that happen, you know, that's, that's my best position, whether it's from the running back position or wide receiver position, uh, I'm going to make plays. I'm a playmaker. That's what I do. So I'm someone who cares a lot about athletic profile and, and who, who digs into the metrics. And I look at the historical numbers and I say, okay, players who profile this way tend to have this sort of success rate in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I look at your pro day numbers and I go, okay, he didn't, he didn't blow it away. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> so tell me, tell me why. Or tell me, tell me what in your game did those numbers not capture? What are those numbers missing about your game? I feel like none of those numbers and any of those drills show how uh, skillful a person is at, at playing football. Those aren't, uh, that's not football right there to me. You know, anybody can run the straight line fast. Um, but who can be able to think on the fly, make uh, decisions very quickly in a split second, be able to make decisions and overall just know football and be a football player. I feel like those drills don't accurately capture that. And they definitely didn't capture my versatility. Uh, that didn't, none of those drills really showed that I can play running back, that I can play receiver, and I can be huge on the special teams. And so, uh, you know, I was very happy that I was able to show that on my pro day. You know, they don't really talk about that side of it. But um, I was able to show that, you know, I can play running back receiver and I can catch punts and catch kickoffs. And so, you know, um, I'm not a real big fan of how they, uh, you know, test certain things. You know, I, I definitely think I'm faster than four, five, eight. I definitely do because that's what you see on tape. You know, I'm running past people. I'm able to make home run plays. And so 
Uh, I just don't think it accurately uh, shows how valuable a player is, if I'm being honest. I think Aaron Jones ran four, five, six, and you cut okay. on the tape and he's running by guys, right? I mean, yeah. that's, that's, uh, there, there's a lot of that in, in your game. And, and, and that's why I appreciate a lot of what you do. Um, it, according to reports, uh, you met with the Packers. Yes, sir. What yeah. was that conversation? Who was on it? What, what were they, what were they trying to, to get out of you? And so, uh, I haven't met with them since I met with them at the senior bowl. Okay. Uh, I just met with some scouts and, you know, they were just getting to know me, uh, you know, trying to figure out about me, uh, asking about guys that I played with, you know, at UCLA that are now on their team, Chris Barnes, Kenny Clark, you know, saying like, well, they say about you, you know, what do you think about them? And so, you know, just having those conversations, getting introduced, um, I hope to hear from them again, definitely, because uh, I definitely wouldn't mind playing there at all. That would be awesome. And so, um, yeah, we'll see. What do you know about that that uh, that tree of offenses, the Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan tree, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, that outside zone heavy, you know, because I, I look at a team like the Packers and I see, okay, they had a guy, Tyler Irvin, last year, jet sweeps, orbit motion, end arounds, Mm -hmm. uh, crossers on mesh, um, and, and the occasional double move. I don't know. That seems like the perfect place to put in Demetri yeah, Felton. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is that, uh, something that I noticed from those type of offenses is that they know how to use players like me. And so, uh, you hit it right on the nose and saying that that would be a perfect place for me to end up. Is there a player? Cause I, I guess I, I had a, a difficult time trying to peg, a comp for you because of the versatility there, there aren't a ton of guys who can do all of those things. You sort of have to go back to like, you know, Percy Harvin, um, mm -hmm. guys like that. Is there someone that, you know, tape that you watch or, or, or just someone that you watched growing up going, that's the kind of game that I think I can bring to the league. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, growing up, I, I watched a lot of guys, you know, I love playing football. And so I was always trying to learn from great players, no matter what position they pay, played. You know, when I first started playing football, um, I wore number seven because I love Michael Vick. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a quarterback, but, you know, just seeing how he was able to move, different moves he would make, like I loved watching that. So I used to watch him. I used to watch LaDainian Tomlinson. Um, now I watch a lot of Alvin Kamara, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Curtis Samuel tape, because I just like what they bring versatility wise, you know, they, they move around the offense and I feel like that's, that's what I do. And so I'm always trying to learn from them, seeing what works for them, seeing how they get that extra yard or that touchdown. I know Aaron Rodgers is a Northern California guy and, and uh, you're more Southern California, mm -hmm. but what would it be like, you know, August, September to go in and break the huddle with 12 in there. It would mean the world to me. You know, he's, he's a great, he's a great quarterback and being able to, you know, play with someone like him would just mean the world to me because, uh, you know, you, you watch guys on Sunday, you just see how great they are, how they show up and it is, inspires you. And so just being able to learn from him, uh, in person, that would be amazing. As we finish up here, um, 
one of the things that I always want to ask coaches when I talk to them about players is, okay, I want to know about the football player. I want to know about the traits and the work ethic and all that stuff. But, but maybe even more important is, is what is the person? Because I think a lot of the misses that we have in the NFL drafts come from guys who, whether they didn't want to put in the work or, you know, the, the fame and the success got to them. So mm-hmm. a team takes Demetric Felton in the NFL draft. What kind of person are they getting? They're going to get first and foremost, a hard worker, you know, someone who, as soon as they step, uh, step in the door, you know, they want to gain the respect of their coaches and their teammates. You know, I want my coaches and my teammates to see that I belong there and I can be an asset to my, to their team. So immediately they're going to notice, you know, just me working hard, trying to show them that I belong there. Uh, secondly, they're going to get a great teammate, you know, someone who's always looking to, you know, better people around them. You know, when I moved into the running back room, I feel like I elevated the play of everyone just because of how dedicated I was to be the starter and be the guy, you know, I feel like they were able to see how I worked and apply it to them themselves because they knew how much I cared and uh, valued the game of football. And so I would say, um, you know, the, the team that drafts me is going to get a high character guy who's just wanting to do whatever he can for his teammates. All right. I want to thank Dimitrik again for joining the show. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome to talk to him. Today's episode is brought to you by bet online. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over. Long over. The NFL draft is coming up. You can bet on the NFL draft. You can still bet on the NBA. Baseball is here. Hockey. Bet online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV, all with real time updated odds and props on, I mean, literally almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So go to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKED on locked on gets you a 50% deposit bonus. You put money in, they match it up to 50% bet online, your online sports book experts. It's April and the locked on NFL network of podcasts is shifting into draft mode. April 19th through the 26th, tune into the ultimate mock draft 2021 featuring analysis from NFL experts, Michael Irvin, Brian Baldinger, and Michael Lombardi. Stay tuned for more info on where you can find the ultimate mock draft 2021 presented by Odyssey and the locked on podcast network. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. More to come. We're going to do one more interview this week, um, try and get a little bit more draft talk in the mix here. And they um, have trying. We're trying to have some fun. We're trying to have some fun. We're just a few weeks away from from the NFL draft. So we're really trying to, to hammer in and, and try and get this all straight here. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.